0: So, why don't you open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 11, verse 5. It's a parable. It's a parable that Jesus taught about this issue, about this issue of prayer. And so, today I start off this brand new, this brand new series uh, called Dive Deep, and we're going to look at this issue of prayer. And I've entitled this message Undignified. And you're going to see where this word comes in the midst of this parable that, that Jesus taught. That this issue of being undignified. Larry Stockstill said this. This isn't my quote. This is his quote. said, the depth of your relationship with God will become your strength in your darkest hour. Your, your relationship with God, your relationship with God will become your greatest strength in your darkest hour. And prayer is one of the things that helps you to dive deeper. Prayer is one of the things that helps you to establish that relationship with him so that when you and I walk through our darkest hours, some of our darkest times, that we have that strength to draw from. Jesus is the one that said this in John chapter, uh, John chapter 7, verse 37. He said, he said this, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink liver, uh, rivers of living water. will brim and spill out of the depths of anyone who believes in me in this way. And so I just want you to understand that if if you want rivers of living water, whether it's your darkest hour, whether it's your celebrations of life, whether it's your best times to like brim out of you and spill out of you, it comes through diving deeper in him. It comes through this issue of prayer. And I, I don't know if you know it or not, but this church was birthed and has been sustained by prayer. And before we ever came in 1994, we, sent f- and we bought a Pueblo phone book. And we had it shipped to Houston, Texas. We broke the, the binder off of it and, or the spine off of it. And we separated out the pages. And, and we got a lot of people together. And we prayed specifically by name for everyone that was in the Pueblo phone book. If, if you were in Pueblo and you are in the phone book in 1994, then guess what? We prayed for you. And we prayed for you by name. And we prayed not just a small prayer, we prayed a very powerful, specific prayer. When we planted this church in 1995, we had person after person come up to us and say, we don't know why, we were just drawn to this church. We don't get it, we don't understand. Some other people were saying, you know what, we have been praying for a church exactly like this. We cannot believe this. Later on in our history, we fasted and we prayed for 40 days in 1997, not only for our church, Before this community and every Bible-believing church within this community. Listen, it is not all about Fellowship of the Rockies. It is about the kingdom. And there are some good Bible-believing churches within this community. And we prayed for them. And we prayed that God would not only raise the water level in our church, but he would raise the water level in every church and in this city. Again, we led the church to pray again through the phone book. And we prayed, prayed specifically name by name by name. We prayed over events. We prayed over, we prayed over the land that one day that we will relocate to. We prayed in the event center. We prayed for people to come at large events. We believe in this issue of prayer. And if you want to go deeper in Christ, it is learning this issue of, of prayer. I mean, James 5.16 says this. James says, therefore, confess your sins to one another. And pray. Pray for one another. See, that's all I'm asking you to do in the 40-day challenge. That is all I'm asking you to do. Husbands and wives need to hear their partners pray for them. Friends and relationships need to hear their friends pray for them. That you may be healed. That the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. I wonder if we really believe that. I, I, I do. I just wonder if we really believe that. Sometimes we live life and we can get so overconfident in life that we move away from this issue of prayer. I I personally have never met a Christian. Then when I asked him the question, are you satisfied with your prayer life? It said yes. All of us, listen, all of us, me included, all of us have something to learn in this issue of prayer. And see, I, I really believe our problem is not theology. We all would believe that prayer is powerful. So I believe that our problem is not theology. I believe it's methodology. See, the disciples spent a lot of time with Jesus, and they watched miracles, and they watched healings, and they watched people come to him, and lives changed, and all of these other things. And the only thing that the, that the disciples ever asked Jesus to teach them was, Lord, just teach us to pray. You see, the disciples got it. They understood that there's some power in this issue of, of prayer. So Jesus, after the, disciples asked, asked, uh, after the disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray, he gave them what some refer to as the Lord's Prayer. It's really not the Lord's Prayer. It's really a model of prayer. It was never designed. It was never designed just to recite something out of a religious obligation, so we just feel better about ourselves. But nothing changes. And he gave them this model, and in Luke chapter five verse, or Luke chapter eleven verse five. Here's what Jesus said. He gives them the model, and he says, "Let me flesh this out for you. Let me help you to understand this." And so he said, and he said to them, "Which of you who has a friend?" Will go to him at midnight and say to him, Friend, lend me three loaves, for a friend of mine has arrived on a journey, and I have nothing to set before him. And he will answer from within Do not bother me. The door is now shut, and my children are in bed with me. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, though he will not get up and give him anything, because he is is he is his friend, yet because of his impudence. Now that word impudence is important. In the Greek, you know what that word means? Undignified. He didn't wait till a more opportune hour. He didn't wait until in the morning. I mean, that word means we come to him and we come to him undignified. And so he goes on and he says, In his impudence he will rise and give him whatever he needs. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. For what father among you? If his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Listen, this prayer and this parable has helped me to understand prayer deeper and to dive deeper personally in my life. I don't know if you've ever had a friend that dropped by unexpectedly at a late hour and like knocked on your door. It's awkward, right? This is what's happened in this parable. That happened to me many years ago. Uh, it was about midnight. The doorbell, the doorbell rang. It, worked, it woke uh, both Karen and I up, and um, I thought Karen should have answered the door, but she thought <laughs> maybe I should. <laughs> so I went to the door, still in my pajamas, went to the door, turned on the porch light, looked out, I recognized the man's face of someone who attends Fellowship of the Rockies, but I did not know his name. So I thought it'd be wise just to go ahead and open up the door. So I opened the door and said, may I help you? He goes, yeah, Pastor Charlie. He says, I'm in the neighborhood, and I I ran out of gas, and I need $20 for for gas for, for my truck. And so, you know what, I'm not a morning person, and you can ask my family, I do not wake up well. And, and so, you know, I'm still walking through this whole process, trying to process this. And I said, well, maybe it'd be best if I, you know, change my clothes and uh, got my car and I'll put you in the car. We'll go go loaf and jug and I'll help. And he goes, no, 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 I don't need any help. I can handle it. Just give me $20. For whatever reason, he just kept asking. And, and I really wanted to go back to bed. So I'm like, here's 20 bucks. So I gave him 20 bucks and he left. Three months later, I'm, I'm reading the chie- Chieftain and there's an article in the Chieftain. And here's that man's picture. And he had been arrested for scamming senior citizens out of 20 bucks to buy meth. Now, I don't know what I was more upset over, buying meth or being called a senior citizen. I'm just being honest. And part of the restitution was, his restitution is that, you know, if you were a senior citizen and you got scammed out of 20 bucks, you could go down to the courthouse and he would have to pay you. But I did not want to do that. I did not want to go public with my senior citizen <laughs> but, but it's awkward, right? See, this is what happened to this man. His next-door neighbor had a friend that dropped by and needed something to eat. His next-door neighbor was embarrassed. He had nothing, so he goes next door and he starts banging on the door. He's like, hey, I need some bread. I need like three loaves of bread. The guy inside whispers and says, hey, go away. Now, for you to really understand this parable, you've got to understand the homes during their time. The average home in their, their times had just one bedroom. Everything went down in that one room. It really wasn't a bedroom. It was, it was one room. That, that's where they ate. That's where they entertained guests. That was their living room. Uh, and that's, that's where the family slept together. And so now you can understand why this guy is, like, whispering on the other side of the door, like, go away. But you know what? This guy was undignified. This guy had a request. And so he keeps banging on on the door. And so the guy knows. Inside he knows. He says, you know what? If I get up, my wife's going to ask, what is going on? I'm like, ah, the neighbor needs some bread. And then she'll say, do not give him any bread. If you give him bread, we're not going to have enough bread for breakfast. And I am not getting up early to fix more bread. And he knows that if he gets up and then all of a sudden opens a, a cabinet door, it's going to squeak and the dogs going to start barking. And then the kids are going to get up and they're going to like want water. And then the teenagers are going to get up. And then it's going it, to all go downhill. So he's like, he's like, like leave me alone. Just go away. But this neighbor, he just continues to knock it. And, and then he gives him his breath. And Jesus at the end of this parable says, if, if, a, if a neighbor... We'll grant you an untimely request. How much more? Just how much more? Will a loving Father grant your request? I'll give you three things. I'll give you three things if you if you want to dive deeper in prayer as we call our church into prayer, as we look at this issue of prayer, if you want to dive deeper into prayer, there's three things. The first thing is this relentless prayers are effective. Relentless prayers are effective. This man had a friend that had a need, and he was relentless in getting him help. He was undignified in getting him help. He could have waited into the morning. He could have waited at a more dignified time. He could have waited, but he didn't. See, the appropriate prayers consist of the well-being. Listen, appropriate prayers consist of the well-being of others and self. In other words, what, what Scripture tells us is prayer should be like daily. Prayer is not some emergency cord that we pull when we're in a crisis. And that's the only time we communicate with God. When Tony Romo went down in the preseason uh, with, a, with a broken bone in his, his back, and the next day uh, they asked uh, Jerry Jones in, a, in an interview about watching that happen. And he says, you know, that was one of the first times that, that I actually bowed my head and prayed and asked God for a miracle in AT&T Stadium. Is that how we're supposed to pray? Is that what prayer is about? See, there's a lot of people, when I call you into prayer, when I ask you to pray with others, when I ask you to respond in prayer, there's a lot of people say, you know what, that's kind of awkward. It's supposed to be awkward. And yes, it's awkward at first. But when it becomes a discipline, it's no longer awkward. You learn to ride a bicycle by riding a bicycle. You learn a hobby by doing that hobby. You learn a profession by doing that trade or that profession. And you learn prayer by praying. So you can no longer use the excuse that it's awkward. I've never done that before. Because what Jesus tells us is this. Jesus tells us that this relentless prayer is undignified. And we get over the awkwardness of it. Listen, the closer you and I get to God, the more aware we are of our own sinfulness. The closer we get to God, the more we're aware of the forgiveness that we need. And you know what happens? We quit being so critical of everybody else and trying to change everybody else. And we understand it may be me the one that needs to change. Listen, you can come to God and you can come to God in prayer and you can come to God in in worship and try to be dignified and try to be proper and all of those other things and it may make you feel better about yourself but it will never change you and it will never change anything all through scriptures you see this picture just being undignified see jesus himself made a made made a a comparison between dignified and undignified matthew chapter 6 verse 7 he says and so when you pray do not heap up empty phrases as the gentiles do That for they think that they will be heard for their many words. You know, he's talking about he's talking about being dignified. Do not be like them for your father knows what you need before you ask him. Pray then like this. And then he gives the, the 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 model of prayer. And then he blows into this this illustration about this issue of prayer. And that prayer is like relentless. In other words, it's it's undignified. They believe that. By being dignified and reciting something at a religious obligation over and over, but listen, Jesus would say different. Jesus would say it's about being undignified. Jesus would say it's about integrity and heart. My mom lives in Houston, Texas. My mom would much rather me call her every day and talk to her for five to ten minutes than call her once a year and talk for an hour. Aren't you like that in your relationships? The Bible tells us over and over that we're to pray, and we're to pray without ceasing. We're to pray in such a way to have common union or or constant union with, 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 with the Lord. See, prayer is not something like some Aladdin's lamp that you and I just rub when we're in a crisis and hoping a genie will pop out and then just give us everything we want. It is a discipline. See, there's something about when you and I walk through our darkest hour, when that prayer request, right, is always in front of us. And sometimes it's easier then, but it should be a discipline in such a way that whether it's our darkest hour or not, that it's just this constant communication, constant union with him. Luke chapter 11, verse nine, he says, and I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find knock and it will be open to you. I mean, when, in the Greek, this is in the aorist tense and the aorist tense in this is continual action. You said it's a, it's a discipline, it's something that we do daily. That's why we're asking. Just five, ten minutes a day. That's all we're asking. Just five or ten minutes a day. Then on our website, we have this button on the homepage, share, uh, uh, share your story. Is that right? Awesome. Share your story. And we'd love to capture some of your stories. You just go on. Follow us on Facebook. I don't even know the address. I know nothing about Facebook. I don't even know if that's a correct term, a Facebook address. Just find it. <laughs> I know. I did a video. All I did, I did a video. I gave the video to Pastor Chad, and it masterly, it, it, it magically appeared on Facebook. I know that. But jump on there. It'll be good for you. Listen, it's not that God is reluctant to respond. Can I tell you something about a discipline of prayer? Persistent prayers, relentless prayers. When it's daily, it helps you and I flesh out our priorities, our desires, our needs, our wants. There's power in that. Second thing about prayer. Bold prayers are effective. Bold prayers are effective. It was a bold request for this man to go next door in an undignified manner. Wake this man up and begin asking. He knew the dynamics. He knew the dynamics within the family. It was a bold prayer. Ephesians 3.20 says this. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or think. According to the power at work within us. You know what I think? I think too many times we don't ask for big stuff. Remember when Jesus went to his hometown of Nazareth? And the Bible tells us that he could... He could do no mighty works there. He could do no miracles there. And not because he wasn't willing to and not because he didn't want to and not because of anything else, but because of their unbelief. It wasn't because he didn't have the power. It was because they, they just didn't believe he could. fact is, they, didn't even, they weren't even willing to ask. How many of us are not even willing to ask? How many of us, when we get to that issue of prayer, you know what, we're, we're, you know what, we're not even willing to ask. And I'm telling you, there's some times in my life when God has answered some big prayers of mine. But there are also some times in my life when God said no. Or God knew what was best for me and He did something different. And I'll never forget a few years back, it was many years back when we, we changed the, the culture of our church to where we had a prayer response at the end of the service. And my my family we we were going through something. And we we're going through a difficult time. We we're going through something. And so Saturday, Karen, my wife, tells me, says, God wants us to go down at the 1045 service tomorrow and pray as a family. All the kids are going to be in. They're all going to be in church with us, and we need to go down and pray. And I hope I'm not the only one that's ever felt this way or even said this. But I looked at her, and I said, I, I, don't, I don't think so. You know the reason I said that? Because I was worried about being dignified. I was worried about what you would think. I was worried about what you would think when you saw Pastor Charlie come off of the platform, come down and kneel with his family. Yet if it start rumors, if some of you start saying, what's wrong with Pastor Charlie? He's having problems with his marriage. Is he going to leave? Is is he struggling with a kid? I mean, what is going? what is up with Pastor Charlie? I was worried about being dignified. That next day at the 1040 service, I I preached and called for prayer. And I watched my whole family. I watched my whole family get up just immediately, go straight to the I joined them. I no longer cared about being dignified or undignified. I cared about being undignified before him. There's a lady that knows our family. Nobody knew what we were going through at the time. After the service, she walked up to my wife and she says, God revealed to me what you guys are going through. And she told Karen. And was, she's was right. And she says, I'll pray for you every day till God answers that prayer. And he did. He did. I wonder if some of you ever have a barrier when we're calling for prayer. And you know you need to come. You know you have a burden. You know God's dealing with you, but you don't want to come because you're afraid of Being undignified. Parents, let me talk to you. If your kids respond and come down to this altar, do not shame them. Do not ask them what's going on. Do not tell them not to do that. You encourage them to follow him. Could it be sometimes that we're more worried about being dignified than being? undignified and just honest before him. wonder how many big things God really desires to do in our life if we just dare to ask. James two says, You desire and do not have, so you murder. You covet and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. We get this on a human level, right? We get this on a human level. If we don't ask for something, probably we're not going to get it, right? Jesus said the same on the spiritual level. If you don't ask, probably not going to get it. But because of this man's boldness, look, verse 9 again in this passage, Luke 11. And I tell you, ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, and the one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, it will be open. What father among you, if his son asks for a fish, will instead of a fish give him a serpent? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask? So we have this promise to ask and to seek and to find. Now, listen, if you're a thinking person and you're tracking through this sermon, you're like, oh, wait a minute, Pastor. I, man, I prayed. And God hasn't. God didn't do so. I mean, God didn't answer that prayer. I prayed for, I prayed for children. I, I prayed for relationships. I prayed for a situation. I it, it it just seemed like God didn't do it. Well, guess what? There's times in scripture where we can find the same thing. I mean, it was Abraham that prayed that Sodom and Gomorrah wouldn't be destroyed, and yet it fell by fire. Moses asked God to allow him to go on the promised land, but Moses died on the wrong side of the Jordan River. David prayed that his son would, would live and his son, his son didn't. Uh, Paul prayed three times that the thorn in the flesh would be removed, and it wasn't. I mean, Jesus prayed that if there's any way possible, this cup can pass before me. So listen, let me, let me just help you. If your view is a prayer, that if, that if you pray that you will receive whatever you ask for, then you will give up when you do not receive. And you will feel like God has let you down. I'm just, I'm just telling you. And God will become... It'll be a false belief, but God in your mind will become your betrayer, and you'll become bitter. It's important to note that he gives us a qualifier, verse 13, he says good gifts, he says, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? The key phrase is good gifts. I mean, over the last three weeks, I've been out the last three weeks to give me a little bit of extra time to prepare for this this series, and so we've we've been with grandkids. And uh, if my grandkids ask me for a pet snake, I'm probably not going to grant that request. (laughs) I may give them a goldfish so their parents can learn what it's like to go to Walmart about 10 o'clock at night and buy a goldfish that looks a lot like their kid's fish so so they don't have to break the news to their kids that your fish died. (laughs) But he says if you ask, Keep on asking, and God will give you good gifts, what is best for you. In other words, if you knock persistently, relentlessly, maybe the door that you're asking to be open will not be open for you, but maybe he'll open up the appropriate door for you. See, we ought to be thankful that there are conditional prayers. There are that God's promises aren't unconditional. It's Elijah that got depressed and prayed, God, kill me he said, I have something better for you. Get up and eat. I still have a plan for your life. Have you ever thought the reason that you're resistant to prayer? You can't handle a no? You really just want to control God? You really just want to do whatever you want to do? Have you ever, have you ever thought maybe the reason that we don't pray or we have trouble with prayer is because we have trouble processing a no? You see, Paul prayed three times for God to remove a thorn in the flesh from him and we don't see it as a no I mean it's like a Christian no. he doesn't really God doesn't really say no he says now my grace is sufficient for you that's a Christian no, right I mean we as Christians we know how to say no in a nice way like when, when when someone asks you hey would you mind serving this area you don't really say no you just say I'll pray about it that's just a nice way of saying no Have you ever thought that the reason that we have trouble with prayer is because we can't handle a no? With our grandkids, and our grandkids, it's Gavin's four, Micah's in roughly four, <laughs> and roughly two, Gavin and Micah. Gavin cannot handle a no, Micah's good with a no. And so they're four and two, and they're at that age, and if you've been around four and two-year-olds in, in a while, you know that four and two-year-olds, they don't know how to whisper, right? i <laughs> haven't the art of whispering. And so I'm a few feet away, and so Gavin goes to Micah, and he goes, go ask Pop-Pop if he'll swing us. Push us on the swing. Micah says, okay. (laughs) Pop-Pop, Gavin won't swing us. (laughs) No. That's what I did. Okay. Gavin, Pop-Pop said no. Gavin starts having a seizure. He's like, <laughs> he is like losing it. And I mean, he's like, it's like I told him, I hate you. I hate your grubby little body. I can't stand you. I don't want to have anything to do with you. Gavin cannot, pro- he is like losing it. Micah, see what I knew? I knew Nana was about ready to come out with cake and I- cupcakes and ice cream. I knew we had something better for them. And here's the crazy thing. Karen comes out. Cupcakes, ice cream, puts them down at the table. Micah, who can handle a no, he's eating the cupcakes and ice cream and having a big time. Gavin's still doing the... (laughs) (laughs) Cupcakes, ice cream, beat swinging every time, right? And guess what? Guess what? He can handle a no, so he couldn't accept the good that we were doing for him. There are a lot of people... You're still hung up on the no. And you're bitter. And you cannot. You cannot enjoy the good gifts. Look at it. I'm telling you. 2 Corinthians 12, 7. Here's Paul. So transparent. So to keep me from being conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations. A thorn was given me in the flesh a messenger of Satan to harass me, to keep me from becoming conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. In other words, he prayed three different times. But he said to me, this is a Christian no, it's a no. My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses. In other words, this, you know what Paul learned? Paul learned you can go deeper in him when you process a no. Paul learned that sometimes... God can only teach us something in the Christian life in the know. Paul learned in the know. I learned that the power of Christ may rest on me for the sake of Christ. Then I've learned to be content. I've learned to be content with my weaknesses. I've learned to be content when people insult me and criticize me and talk about me. I've learned hardships. I've learned persecutions. I've learned how to deal with calamities and difficulties in my life because I have learned when I am weak that he is strong. And you can only learn that in the nose of the Christian life when you're willing to process through it. The last thing is this, is genuine prayers are effective. Genuine, undignified prayers are effective. And I'm going to give you just a few sub points as, as we, just, we just wrap this up. Genuine prayers are effective. And so we have to, we have to ask for the right things. 1 John 5, 14, and this is the confidence that we have towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he'll hear us. In other words, sometimes we ask things that go against his will. I have a friend that said God answers us four different ways. Yes, no, wait, and you've got to be out of your mind. <laughs> I think that's right. We've got to ask for the right things. We've got to ask for the right motives. James 4, 3. You ask and do not receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your passions. God knows our heart. Oh, Lord, just let me win that lottery. I'll build your church. I'll give 50%, maybe 40, 30, 25, something. I'll give something to your church. God knows our heart. We are waiting on him. We ask waiting on him. Psalms 37, 7, be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in this way, over the man who carries out his evil desires. Joseph was in prison for over two years. He must have prayed every day, God bust me out of this place. But yet God was working in the political system so the timing would be right so that when Joseph got out of prison, he'd be the number two person and lead a revival. We ask in faith. We ask in faith. James 1, 6 but let him ask in faith with, not, with no doubting. For the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed before the wind. This does not mean that when I pray, I say I'm 100%, 100% certain that God is going to give me what I'm asking for. What it is saying is this. I'm 100% certain. Did he hear my prayer? He's going to do what's best. See, faith is that God can do anything. Even if he doesn't answer my prayer the way I think he should. I'm still putting my trust in him. Even if it's a no. See, faith allows us to face it and not hide from it I mean, sometimes it causes confession and change right sometimes it causes us to not only confess but make some changes I mean you can pray all you want about getting out of debt but you may have to change your spending habits you can pray all you want about losing weight but you may have to change some eating habits and so sometimes just tell you, sometimes it's it's confession and, and, it, and it's change fact is mark 11 jesus said this he says, "And whenever you stand pray and forgive, if you have anything against anyone, so that your Father also who is in heaven, may forgive you in your trespasses." So our prayers should be unreasonable. Our prayers should be undignified. Second Corinthians 12:9 is going to come back on the screen one last time as we close. And I just wanted you to see this from a red letter Bible. And so I know the letters are white, uh, and then you see the red letters. And so you know, if you have a red-letter Bible, that the black letters Paul was writing uh, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He's processing out the no. And all of a sudden, the letters change. so important. All of a sudden, the letters change from black to red. The red letters represent what? Jesus speaking. And so Paul's processing out the no. He doesn't understand. He's processing it out. And it's all of a sudden, it's like Jesus peels back heaven, leans over, and says, Paul. I know what it's like to get a no. I know what it's like. I know what it's like to pray and get a no. But I can tell you this. He is a good, good father. And he has a plan and he has a purpose. That's why you see my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in your weaknesses. And so we pray and we come to him and we worship him unknowingly. Dignified. And he does. Because we trust him. No matter how he answers our prayer. Even if it's a no. We come back to him. And we lift our hands to him. And we worship him. Out of trust. Because he is a good, good father. And we pray and we worship him undignified. That's what changes us, and that's what changes the situation.